On this episode of Brad and Will, we're going to talk about Kevin Durant requesting a trade, the Rockets' offseason move so far, and the summer league coming up next week. Welcome back to another episode of Ride on Will. I am your one of your hosts, uh, Will. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Bias Houston. Um, shout out Clutch City Control Room over there. We do a lot of the, the different spaces um, on Twitter, um, all the good stuff. Uh, you can come in for your Rockets content, whatever you need. We got you over there. Shout out Brad on Will. Um, and with that, I'm pass off to Brad. I'm your other host, Brad. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at BradONBA for your favorite Rockets content and stats. And if you haven't already, make sure to subscribe to the channel. We're growing steadily, uh, so numbers have been looking a lot better. Um, and for today, we have a special guest, Roosh. He hosts a lot of great shows, so Roosh, go ahead and uh, tell the people where they can find you at. What's up, guys? Thanks for having me. Uh, my name is Roosh. You can find me on Twitter at Roosh Williams, R-O-O-S-H Williams. Um, I host a podcast called The Noble and Roosh Show, presented by Ball is Life. So follow Ball is Life on Twitter, and you can see our podcast. It's, it's one of the only podcasts uh, in the game where you can get exclusive content and, and interviews with NBA players, beat writers, journalists, bloggers, all of that. And I'm also host of State of the Rockets. So um, I host that with Jackson Gatlin. We do it every Thursday or every Friday, sorry. Um, and go to YouTube and search State of the Rockets and, and it's there. But if you follow me, all of my stuff is there. So let's get it. Thanks for having me on. Of course, of course. No Thank you for coming on. Uh, I, I'll, I'll take it away, Brad. So, you know, we, we have you on because we needed to get a, a diehard Rockets fan talk about all the the uh the crazy rockets news that's been coming out this last um uh, this last couple weeks man it's been a, it's been a really like crazy time to be a rockets fan between the draft and then you know what we're gonna talk about this segment which is um kevin Durant's requested a trade he he's no longer wanting to be a part of the brooklyn nets franchise and we all know that you know once the kevin Durant domino falls that means Kyrie Irving isn't too far behind him and you know as rockets fans we, we traded james harden to the brooklyn nets for that uh that heavily scrutinized um deal that included a bunch of first round picks for the Brooklyn Nets. And, you know, obviously if Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving are no longer on that roster, those Nets look a lot, I mean, those picks look a lot better than they did when they were there. So I want to give you the floor, Rusha, the guest. What was your immediate reaction when you saw, um, you know, the, I think it was Shams or, or Walsh, I can't remember which one who tweeted out, but when it broke, it came across your phone that Kevin Durant was requesting a trade. I mean, I, it was just a holy shit moment. It was honestly like, it made me feel like when we traded uh, cp3 for russ i remember that was a holy shit moment that was like a oh my god like i had to go look at woj's page to just make sure like it was real so this was the same thing i was just like oh my god are you serious like it happened you know because i thought i thought Kyrie opts in i thought it was a no-brainer that Kyrie was going to opt in because it just because of the money if there was one guy that would maybe not it would be Kyrie. but i mean the money was too crazy and he was an expiring contract. So, like, you know, you're seeing what he's doing now, right? He's basically forcing his way to L.A. So I feel like that was always the move. But he opted in. And when that happened, I thought, OK, well, they're going to play it out this season. You know, it's going to be a, it might be like a rough and tumble season. They're not going to get along. They're going to have issues, whatever. But they're going to play it out. I did not think, you know, three, four days later, it was the Kevin Durant trade request. But but the fact that it happened that way makes me think that KD and Kyrie talked. And KD was like, look, opt in. I'm going to force a trade like get paid, we'll get traded, you know, we'll make it happen, which is kind of what um, I think went down with James Harden and Russell Westbrook. I think Harden was like, yo, I'm getting out of here. So like, you should do the same. 
um, which is why you got the the Russell Westbrook trade request. So, so yeah, I mean, it was just a holy shit moment, man. It was like, whoa, I can't believe this thing is really blowing up this quickly. And then you go, you go through the highs of like, oh my God, they're about to implode. This is crazy. This is awesome. And then you start coming back down to earth a little bit and you're like, okay, well, it depends on what they get in return, depends on how they pivot, um, you know, and then you're just kind of waiting to see, you, you scale the landscape and you're waiting to see, yo, who are the, are the biggest players or the realest players in terms of trading for Kevin Durant, Phoenix. I mean, Phoenix seems to be like the real one so far, maybe Toronto as well. Those, those seem to be the two most realistic options. And now it's just a waiting game. So. Yeah, it was interesting to me because I originally thought the uh, the plan for Kyrie all along was just to go to L.A., of course. But then when he opts in, you know, the stories are inconsistent. They're coming out and saying, like, oh, yeah, Kyrie, you know, he's committed to winning a championship in Brooklyn. And it's just like at the end of the day, they didn't resolve anything because those issues were still there. It was just the fact that they weren't going to be able to find a trade partner for him if he didn't opt in. So when he does opt in, we, we wait two days. Then we get the news, as, as Ruth said, you know, it was, a, it was a holy shit moment. And then everyone's freaking out. And, you know, when that happens, it makes a lot of sense because, again, they didn't resolve any issues that happened beforehand. I'm sure Kevin Durant was already irritated with, you know, Sean Marks and uh, Joe Sy. So they were just they just went out. And you know, for the Rockets, of course, as Will mentioned, you know, that's great for our future. You know, even if they get a crazy package for Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, that's going to be a middle of the pack team. They barely made the play in last year. So regardless of the return, uh, they're going to be a middle of the pack team. I think their owner came out and said they'd rather win 40 games with people who want to compete than 40 games with a lot of drama. So I can envision it being a lottery team, like a 11 through 14 this sheet, maybe 10 through 14 seed. Even then, the Rockets are still getting really good picks. So it's going to, you know, not this next year, it's going to be a swap. But, you know, after that, they're still getting good picks, you know, good returns. So as a Rockets fan, you know, when you make that trade, for you know, for you trade James Harden away and you get all those picks that turn out being really well, you know, you have to be happy with that in return. And I'm assuming that they're probably going to consolidate those when it's all said and done one of these days and it's only going to be a bright future for you. So. But what do you think about it? Will? So, I mean, yeah, like y'all, y'all hit the, uh, the nail on the head. I mean, it was a, it was a crazy moment. It took you a second. It took me a second to like process what I had read. I had to reread the tweet, like a good 10, 15 times before I was like, Oh, he requested a trade. Like it, it took me a second to kind of register that. Um, and then from there, it was like, my mind immediately went to, all the different reporters and all the different media outlets that called us all these different ridiculous things for trading James Harden for, you know, th this ridiculous package that I, I don't know, man, I, I figured that like if little old us on Twitter could like understand the value in that, in that, uh, that return that people who get paid to do it could, but uh, I don't know, I guess maybe the push agendas more than uh, deliver the content, but, but yeah, man, I, that's why my mind immediately went to that. I was like, man, like y'all clowned us. Y'all said we got the worst return ever for a superstar. And it's looking like it could be really fruitful right now. Like, like Brad said, they're not going to be interested in bottoming out. So we may not end up with like, um, you know, the, the number one pick every year in a draft or like, you know, uh, how like the, the Boston Celtics kind of benefited from it. Uh, that, that same trade the Nets made a decade ago, like it may not be the same uh, level of that, but like, they're still going to be a lot better um, where, where the, the franchise is headed right now than where it is, you know, if Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving were there. So obviously, you know, we had been kind of discussing the idea or the reality that that team might be imploding sometime pretty soon. Like Rush said, uh, when Kyrie Irving got in, it was like, okay, like, all right, that is going to happen this offseason. I guess it's not. Um, but, you know, me and me and Brassett's on the podcast about a week ago, we were like, yeah, man, even if even if they don't implode this offseason, it's inevitable. Like they're, they're, they're one more disappointing playoff series from, from, you know, calling it quits on each other. And it just so happened it was this offseason. So, 
um, it was it was exciting to to see that it's that it's you know those picks that that, um, that we traded James Harden for is looking like they're gonna be like Bryce. They may not be the number one pick in the draft, but they're still gonna be very valuable. Um, you know, good picks to, to help you know bolster your team that's that's already looking very promising. Um, but you know, the next question I, I want to ask you and, and Brad, you can kind of chime in on this too if you want. But um, is there is there a preferred des- like package or so destination or package that you have for Kevin Durant? that you think is realistic that uh, would um, make those picks better. And what I mean by that is like, they've been saying like Phoenix is one of like, you touched on it, which is like one of the teams that they're kind of saying he's probably the favorite to land Kevin. It's, it's one of the places he's saying he wants to go to. And I assume that pack would be something centered around a DeAndre Aiden, a Mikael Bridges, a Cam John, something like that, maybe picks. And that team isn't going to win you a playoff series, but that might get you to the play in tournament. You know what I mean, that, that, that might, that might get you a, a 10 seed, um, and like a 10 seed is, is not in the scoff at, uh, as far as like the, for the Rockets, but I, I, my answer to this, my own question would be like, I kind of would prefer it if, if he went to Portland, because I, I think that, um, you know, a, a package centered around shade and sharp and maybe a sign and trade with Anthony Simons and picks like that doesn't win you games that, that, um, that, that makes, that ensure that you're one of the five worst teams in the NBA next season. So I, I don't know. Have y'all invested any thought into to something like that? Uh, we'll start with Roosh. Yeah, so I kind of wanted to add to what you said um, I, before answering that. I was in a space with with some basketball writers that like you know do good work and are reputable, and you know we were talking. I shouldn't have even been up there honestly, but it was it was kind of funny. But uh, and so we were talking about the Kevin Durant like potential landing spots, and this was when the, when the information was breaking the day of the trade, and so that one tweet went out. I think it was Woe Shams. I can't remember, but they said. Um, Brooklyn wants win now players, right? And they read that tweet off and they're all like, man, I don't know why. Like, why is Brooklyn doing this? Like, why do they want win now players? Why don't they just blow this thing up? And I was like, because they <laughs> it's because they, if they do, it, do, it only comes back to Houston. Like, <laughs> that's why. That's why the James Harden trade, like, is what it is. And they're like, oh, man, you're right. So it's funny, though, because even people that cover this, like, not like national media, but, you know, re- very reputable writers doing their own independent work really didn't grasp the James Harden trade and how like drastic and dire it was if the gamble that the Rockets made actually turned out to pay off, which starting to look like it did. Now, in terms of realistic destinations, I mean, there's a lot of smoke with Phoenix. So I think there's too much smoke for that to not be something real. DeAndre Ayton and Ben Simmons, I mean, Brad, can if I don't have my phone with me, but if somebody can pull up the Eastern Conference standings from this season, um, it was what? In In no specific order. The top six, I'm, I'm focused on the top six. It was Milwaukee, Miami, Boston, Toronto, Philly. Who was that six team? The Bulls. The Bulls, Chicago, six, right? So Toronto is going to be, they're only going to be better. And that's not even counting if they trade for Kevin Durant. But they're only going to be better. Scotty Barnes gets a year older. You know, they add more pieces. They add Otto Porter Jr. They, they bring Thad Young back. Toronto's going to compete. Boston, at the very least, will probably be a top five team in the East. They got Brogdon. I think they're better. Milwaukee will be back. They're not going anywhere. Miami, I think they'll regress a little bit, but they'll be top five, top six in the, in the East, most likely. Chicago, I think, got better. Um, and then Philadelphia, I think, I also think got better. So I think all those teams are staying in the top six, right? That doesn't even count Atlanta getting Deontay Murray. They can maybe squeeze in there, but they're, they're seven. Cleveland will come back. They'll most likely not have so many injuries. We'll see if they if they do or not. But if they stay healthy... They're probably a top eight team. That's eight. The Knicks will probably be like around 500, maybe above. That's nine. Charlotte might be right back. We'll see. Miles Bridges might not play, so maybe they won't be. But if they are, 
that's 10, right? So I don't think there's any guarantee that Ben Simmons and DeAndre Ayton gets you in to the playoffs at all or the play in by, by any stretch. I think they'd be fighting for like a seven, eight, nine, ten 10 at best. Um, also, Ben Simmons took a whole year off. Like, we don't know if he's going to be healthy. We don't know if he's going to be the same Ben Simmons, right? You don't just come back to playing and like boom, boom. And we saw him get, you know, a four, we saw him get a four and a five seed, I think, with Joel Embiid. DeAndre Ayton is not Joel Embiid. So, I mean, I think that's the type of package where you could end up if, if they would probably be a middle of the road type team, you know, maybe like a somewhere between the 12th and the 16th or 17th pick, something like that. But if Ben Simmons goes down for like two months for some reason, all of a sudden that team kind of sucks, you know? So, so there's that. Um, I think Toronto is kind of realistic as, as a destination. They have good pieces. Like, I don't know what, if there's any legitimacy to the rumors, but if they're willing to give up Scotty Barnes um, or if they're willing to give up Barnes and OG Ananobi or OG Ananobi and a ton of picks, maybe that would work. But like, are they going to be good immediately? No, I would almost, and this might sound crazy. I just came up with this idea. So maybe it's wrong, but I would almost, if I was Brooklyn, let's say I'd pull off a trade for whatever they want. Draft capital, get a guy like DeAndre Ayton if you can, uh, or a Scotty Barnes if you can. I don't know what else would be available, but something like that. And then shut them down. If it's Scotty Barnes plan, if it's DeAndre Ayton, try to shut him down. Give it a whirl. If see how it's going. And then, like, as you, you know, if you're not doing well, maybe shut it down because they could tank, they could tank this year and they would swap picks with the Rockets. And the Rockets won't be that good. So if there's a year to swap picks and maybe just go get a lotto pick no matter what, it might as well be this year and then retool and try to come back next season, next draft, 2024, when that pick outright goes to the Rockets. Because I think there's almost a benefit in swapping. Like if they try to get the 14, you know, if, if they're like the, I don't know, like let's say they they get Aiton and they, they get the seven seed and let's say they get the 17th or 16th pick. Like wouldn't they really rather get like the sixth or the seventh pick at worst, you know, or the eighth pick at worst? and then retool with the talent that you've already traded for, if it is DeAndre Ayton or whoever whoever it is. But whatever happens, I think they're going to get uh, – I call it smoking PCP. They're going to get a pick cent- – <laughs> they're going to get a pick-centric package, a PCP, um, a lot of draft picks. Um, so it just it, – like if they get a superstar somehow, they want two, super, two all-stars for KD. I doubt they get that. If they get one legit all-star, like someone maybe as good as like Zach Levine or something – I still don't think that they're any better than the seventh seed unless like, you know, they really retool, but like Ben Simmons, you you need an alpha score. You had Joel Embiid in Philly. You need, you're going to need that guy because Ben Simmons is not that guy. So they got to get that guy in return. DeAndre Ayton's isn't DeAndre Ayton is not that guy. Right. I mean, they'll be good defensively. They'll be one of those grinded out type teams and they have some shooting to fill it out, depending on if they, if they trade Seth Curry or Joe Harris, both of which are rumored in that Lakers package, potentially for Kyrie Irving. But other than that, like, what do they really got, you know? So I think they're in a tough spot. I would almost tank just so if they swap at worst, they get the seventh pick and then they can retool with whatever talent they get. Otherwise I don't see them being any better than like, um, you know, a 500 team, give or take like five, five wins or losses. Yeah. Piggybacking on, you know, what Rich just said, then I'll get into your question. Will. That's a great point. If I'm the Nets, I almost do want to have a great pick and that swap is going to convert in my favor if I do suck in this upcoming year. And this uh, 2023 draft class is amazing. So this is a perfect situation for the Nets. If they do kind of bottom out this one, you then try to retool afterwards. As you and said, just, just to add to that, for example, like I don't I don't think there are any protections on it. So like let's say the Rockets right. get like the fourth pick, you know, and the Nets are so bad that they get the second pick. 
they'll still get the fourth pick. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. So it's great. Like, yeah, that's what they need to do, honestly. And in my opinion, uh, to your question, Will, it's interesting because this just came out recently that Golden State is apparently you know interested in Kevin Durant. I'm sure every team is interested in Kevin Durant if you're a contender. But that did come out, and the package that they would offer, of course, would be Wiggins and then the young core, so like Wiseman, Moody, and Kaminga potentially. If they take that offer, I feel like they suck. Like that's a bad team. Like who do you have? Ben Simmons, uh, Wiggins, <laughs> Kaminga, Moody. Like that's that's gonna be a bad team. But I mean, you got a lot of young players, to, you know, for the future to retool. It's gonna be are, perfect for that. Are, are picks in that rumor? I'm. I would assume. So. I would, yeah, I would assume. Yeah, I would assume so. Probably so. less yeah. though. So, yeah. like, could you imagine if they took Kaminga and Moody as, like, a centerpiece and Wiseman to build around Ben Simmons with, like, less picks? If that doesn't work, they're stuck. Yeah, exactly. But, yeah, hopefully uh, – I, I wouldn't mind that package. I know Will hates seeing Golden State win, so I don't know how you feel. <laughs> I don't know how you feel about that. But for for the for Houston's favor, I think that would work out really well. But, yeah. Well, did you want to add anything else uh, to this? No, I, I, have, I have one more question that I, I, I think y'all have found pretty interesting. And – so this is something that we kind of talked about on, on some spaces on Twitter yesterday. Um, but but you kind of touched on it a little bit, Roosh, when you talk about the Toronto package. Um, you know, their rumored Toronto, you know, came out yesterday and said they think they have a very competitive package for Kevin Durant, which I'm going to assume has to include Scotty Barnes, because I, I just don't see why if I'm the Nets, why I would rather have OG and Obi over uh, DeAndre Aiden. So I'm gonna assume that that has like if they plan to be trading for Kevin Durant this season. It's going to have to come with Scotty. I mean, with uh, yeah, it was Scotty Barnes. Although I mean, I guess I could be wrong. But let's assume that it is right, or let's assume that um, you know, it's it's a uh, Mikael Bridges or anybody who any of these young players who could be on the move to uh, to Brooklyn. Um, we have their picks right, and like the pick swaps, like stuff like that is really only it's valuable. But it's it's really really valuable to Brooklyn those pick swaps, right? So my question is, would you be willing to part ways with maybe some of the pick swaps or some of the picks? um that we have with them so like let's say they they get scotty barnes back would you then send them those you know those swaps back or some of their picks back to then receive scotty barnes uh to houston or like any, any player it could be like i said it could be mikhail bridges just anybody i just said scotty barnes because he was uh it, it uh, depends really, well yeah. it depends on the, the player mikhail bridges no i've heard that one no i mean unless it was like very minor but like i saw one i saw itamar tweet something about like I think it was two. Yeah, swaps. I saw it. Yeah, Bruce, I saw you. I saw that Twitter exchange. You were like, "No, he's a role player, dude." He's a role player. Look, he's and yeah, I get it. He's an elite role player. Yeah, but at the end of the day, elite role players don't win you games unless you also got the rest of the team for them to like really, you know, help you. An elite role player could, you know, and then doing that trade would also make us slightly better, probably. So it's like we still need to bottom out, you know, um, this this season or you know do our best to to get a, a draft pick. Scotty Barnes is interesting though. Um, especially if you don't have to give all of the picks back. So it'd be like, would you, it, that basically turns into, would you trade James Harden for Scotty Barnes? The number, basically the number four pick in the draft, Scotty Barnes, Tari Eason, and then whatever else is left over after that. Um, after like whatever the, whatever it is you give back to Brooklyn, whatever's left over. So Tari Eason, we'll see what, he, what happens to him, Scotty Barnes or whatever else. Maybe, I mean, Scotty Barnes, rookie of the year, young talent, like that's a cornerstone that you could build around. And you're looking when you trade those net nets picks, you want a cornerstone. You want like ideally in an ideal world, those picks or at least some of those picks are swapped in exchange for a cornerstone. Jalen Green's number one, maybe Kevin Porter Jr. is number two. But if he's not, you want those picks to be for number two. And I think Jabari Smith could also be a number two or a number three. I think he'd be a great number three 
and he's probably capable capable of being a really really good number two. So, I mean, I would maybe do it, but it, it just depends on who the player is. Um, and, and you have to remember, in that type of scenario, we have so much leverage over Brooklyn because it's like you want the picks back or not, you know. So let's let's play ball. We want to get what we want to get. So Houston has the leverage there. I, f- I find that interesting as well, but. I mean, like I said, I really don't see many players. In, like, it's Phoenix and Toronto, and who else? New Orleans, if they wanted to part ways with Brandon Ingram, maybe. I don't know. You know? I don't know who you else. you see would. the Golden State one as realistic? I feel like they just threw the, that name out there, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, I don't know where the rumor came from, so I can't evaluate whether it was, re- like, you know, sourced yeah, right. or whatever and, like, given a, in, an informed opinion about, like, who that reporter is. But – um, would they be interested? I'm sure they're interested. Are they seriously interested? Are they like very, very seriously interested? That I don't know. You know, maybe they throw around a couple things. They dangle their rookies in a couple picks and they're like, you know, we'll just get it done. Will they go all in chips to the middle? Like these other teams are going to have to go. I don't think so. They just coming off a championship. Like they got this championship that, that, you know, ended all of the KD, criticism it's like yo we proved we didn't need him and they may or may not say that that matters but it definitely matters and so are they going to go all in for katie again i just have a hard time seeing that they built something that's proven sustainable yeah they lose a couple role players but they get dante divincenzo they make another move or moody develops or kaminga develops like i not to talk about golden state but i think golden state's offseason is about developing their their talent as like the next wave of their role players so so yeah it really just depends man i wouldn't be opposed to it it would just have to be the right player that you're convinced is is like the next phase, you know? Yeah. And before moving on to the next segment, I would agree like with a Scotty, you know, Barnes trade, I wouldn't do it for Macau Bridges, even though I think he's a perfect fit in Houston. At the end of the day, as Ruth said, he is a role player. So if it's a Scotty Barnes kind of guy and Houston does have all the leverage in that situation, uh, for the right amount of picks, I would, you know, bring Scotty to Houston, even though I know that's extremely unrealistic. But in that scenario, if it does happen, I would be okay with that. But you guys stay tuned for the next segment. We're about to discuss the free agency for the Rockets. All right, and we're back with our next segment. And in this segment, we're going to be talking about a few things. Of course, we're going to, uh, John Wall just got bought out. We're going to be talking about Jason Tate's extension, what the Rockets should do with Eric Gordon. Maybe they trade him, maybe they don't. And then Uzban Garuba, should they start him a backup center? Should they sign a center? But as for right now, we're going to be talking about this John Wall buyout and the Tate extension together. So, Roosh, I'll give you the floor. What are your thoughts on those? Yeah, I'm fine with it. I mean, the Rockets took care of John Wall. Um, you know, they got what, like six something million back. So right. save a couple bucks. Sure. That's great. Uh, I like John Wall going to the Clippers, but you saw John Wall thank like the team and the city and everybody. So they, they end on good terms. We did him a solid. We let him go early enough so that he could land somewhere that he wanted to, like the Clippers. It's funny, though, because like you, you might think um, had they held on to him, maybe they'd be a player for Kyrie. But uh, yep. but maybe not though, because the the I think the Nets are going to want assets. So are you going to give up an asset for Kyrie? I would not. So so I'm fine with it. John Wall gets bought out. He gets to do what he wants. We got to see the young guys play and develop. He agreed to sit. It was a win win. He got his money. We got to get our data points. Got the number three pick in the draft. Everyone moves on, and he's happy. We're happy. You know. So yeah. Hey, what do you think? What do you think about the Tate extension? <clears throat> Uh, man, that's a great deal. I think it's one of the best deals of the offseason, quite frankly. I mean, I think the only better deal might be like Bruce Brown to Denver just because 
Denver could actually use Bruce Brown to, to compete, you know, whereas the Rockets are going to be like a rebuilding team. But three years, 22 mil, basically 21 point, I think it's 22.1 mil, basically like, basically like right. 7.3 or 4 mil per year for Jayshon Tate. I mean, he's worth that. If he adds a three ball, he'll be out outplaying the value of his contract as is, as he is a player, totally worth that. Um, there's a third year team option, which is huge. And then I think there are bonuses tied to winning games. And I don't know if that's like an incentive, meaning that, you know, like that that bonus is built into the amount or if that means that he gets 22.1 guaranteed if they pick up the option and then bonuses exceed that amount. But if if it's a scenario where he's not even going to hit the full 22.1 million unless they win a certain amount of games, then wow, I can't believe they got that kind of deal. So I like it all around, man. Good business. I'm glad to see Tate come back. Um, I would have let him go for the for the too high of a price. But for $7 million, yeah, great pick, uh, great transaction. I agree. What are your thoughts, Will, on uh, the wall buyout and Tate's extension? Um, so the wall buyout, um, yeah, man, I mean, like, like you said, I'm glad the Rockets took care of him. Um, I'm glad that he was able to get his money and he was able to go play where he wants to go play. So I, I think it was mutually beneficial for both sides that um, that wall got to go, you know, play, win for, compete for a championship in L.A., um, and then the Rikes get to kind of go full, full young core, full reap. I mean, we did the same thing last season where we went, you know, we're at the KPJ, Jalen Green backcourt. But like, you know, now it's now it's them. You know what I'm saying? There is no more of the the free John Wall and the why aren't the Rikes playing John Wall? He's he's in L.A. Well, now, so. we we got that because he agreed to sit, thankfully, yeah. you know, that right. noise yeah. happened up in December where it was like John Wall's ramping up two weeks. And we were like, oh, shit, are we going to have to, like, watch? <laughs> but he sat, and so we got – that's why, you know, we were able to watch KPJ and Jalen. So, yeah. The longest ramping up of all time. That was that was crazy. Um, but, yeah, man, I mean, like, I, I think you tweeted this out, Rouge, at the time, but you were like, man, John Wall playing benefits nobody but John Wall. So it was a, it was a great thing that he was able to, you know, let us go young last season. Um, and now he's, you know, on his way to L.A. to, you know, hopefully I'm, – I'm rooting for him to win a championship next season, either him or – uh, what they have going on in Philadelphia with all those former Rockets, but um, but yeah, man, like I, I think it was mutually beneficial for um, for both uh, parties that it, they it finally parted ways. Um, and then the Jay Sean Tate extension, um, I'm a I'm a very big believer in Jay Sean Tate. Like I, I've I've said that a couple of times now. Um, I think that he's super duper versatile defensively, and I think he's um, he's pretty. I would say he's he's not a, he's not a high IQ player, but I think he's high IQ for his position um, in his role. Um, and so I, I, you know, I, I look back to that, that Lakers game, um, earlier, I think might've been the first one to put the Lakers this season, um, where he guarded Russell Westbrook, LeBron and Anthony Davis in like a stretch and did a great job on all three of those players. And I mean, you can't, there's no such thing as guarding LeBron James, guarding Anthony Davis, but like, as far as it can be humanly done, Jay Sean Tate did a great job on all three of those players. And like, there's not that many guys in the NBA who are versatile enough to guard Russell Westbrook, LeBron and Anthony Davis. Um, and so, yeah, I, I'm a firm believer in Bruce contest on it. If he gets a jump shot, he goes from pretty good role player to one of the best role players in the NBA. And if that's the case, I mean, they said the guy's been in the gym working, working on his jump shot. They said he's he's knocking him down. No, I don't I don't know if that's true. But if that is true, bro, like like Ruth said, he's he is worth way more than seven million a year, like way more. And like the contract is set up, it's it's set up to benefit the Rockets in every capacity. It's a descending contract. Um, and I believe that there's a, there's a team option from the last year. So like he right. can only be here for two years. Like let's, let's say the contract doesn't, we, I don't know. We don't, we don't want to, it doesn't work out the way we want it to. And he's only here for two more years. And I mean, I, I think for 
um, Jason Tate's production last season and then, you know, what he's predicted to continue to add to his game. I think that was a steal of a contract. So um, props to Raphael Stone for both, for um, taking care of John Wall and, you know, taking care of Jason Tate and bringing him back on such a, a very team-friendly contract. Yeah, I'll say this about John Wall. I just want to give him a shout-out. He was a complete professional that last year in Houston. Of course, didn't play any games. Allowed KPJ to get all that developmental time. And I think there was a report that came out, you know, that the vets really love being around. Not the vets, but the young guys love being around John Wall. You know, Jalen Green loved being around him. Uh, he's a good mentor. So just that, that whole last season with him sitting out and allowing KPJ to develop, uh, you know, good on him for doing that. He missed a year of basketball. Uh, I know these guys love the hoop at the end of the day. He's getting paid all that money, so I'm sure he wasn't tripping. But <laughs> – it's, it's good that they finally bought him out. So, you know, moving on from him officially, you know, as for Jay Shantae, as you guys mentioned, descending contract, uh, 7 million in the first year, 6.5 in the second, and then a team option. I don't think you could ask for a better uh, contract for Jay Shantae, one of the few guys on the roster that actually gives high energy the entire time he's on the court. I think KJ Martin's probably the other guy, and we don't even know if he's going to be in a Rockets uniform next season. So it's important to get a guy like Jay Shantae back on the roster next year. Whether that's starting or off the bench, I don't know. And that kind of leads into my next question, because if Eric Gordon isn't traded, I'd like for him to start. And I'll get into that reason right now. You know, Jayshon Tate, you know, while he does a lot on the court, he's not the best three-point shooter, you know. For the entire year, only shot 30.5% on catch-and-shoot threes and 34% on catch-and-shoot threes post-All-Star break. But that was on 2.5 attempts. So he kind of started ramping it up a little bit. But as for spacing, Eric Gordon, 42.8% on catch and shoot threes the entire year. So extremely good floor spacer. Add that next to KPJ, who shot 48.2%. And Jalen Green, 392 after the all-star break. And then Jabari Smith in college, 42.6% on catch and shoot. You got uh, Shane Goon is going to be facilitating. Uh, the spacing is going to be crazy if Eric Gordon starts next year. So, But we don't know if they're going to trade him. You know, the Sixers have been interested. We saw a report today that came out that said it might not be realistic, but Bruce, what are your thoughts on a you know an Eric Gordon trade? Is it like a must in your opinion, or are you okay with him on the roster next year? Yeah, I mean, I know Philadelphia really wants him. I know Daryl Morey, Daryl Morey really is trying to find a way to get Eric Gordon back, you know, back with with James Harden over in Philadelphia. Um, the problem is that it's going to take a third team because I think what's going on is the Sixers are trying to give up Matisse Tybel. Personally, I have no interest in Matisse Tybel. You know, good defender, um, but but we've already got Jay Sean Tate, right? Like, do we need another guy? I've seen a lot of people say this, and I would agree with this thinking. You know, you don't want um, duplicative weak weaknesses, you know? So you don't want guys with the same weaknesses that are redundant. Um, and getting, like, you know, a 6'5", a semi-long wing that defends and hustles and plays smart defense but can't shoot a three-ball, you know, you've already got Jay Sean Tate. You just drafted Tari Eason, who's supposed to be that. So – that's that's a meaningless asset to me. If that's the asset you get back, then no, I would keep I would keep Eric Gordon. After Philadelphia, I don't know who really is is on the market for him. Someone might emerge, maybe closer to the trade deadline, but I think it's gonna it's gonna have to be a team that realizes like, okay, we need that type of service on our team added to our team. So we gotta go go out and find somebody that can do that. Eric Gordon's on an expiring. We can make this trade, dump some players, you know, I don't know, make the salary match, give up a pick or whatever it may be, and then ride it out. Um and if we want to, if we want to guarantee the next season of his contract, we can. If we don't, it's not guaranteed he's off the team unless your team wins a championship. So, I don't know, man. I mean, I'm cool either way. If we get a good first round pick, like, am I trading Eric Gordon for the 26 pick in the draft? You could, but then you just end up throwing that away in some trade. So, you know, I guess. But um, I don't want him to play over. Like, we have a, a backcourt of guys that you know. We have Kevin Porter Jr., Jalen Green, Josh Christopher. 
um, Ty Ty Knicks, Ty Ty Washington, Dacian Knicks, Eric Gordon, right? Now, two of those guys, Dacian Knicks and Ty Ty Washington, might not be legit NBA guys yet. Um, maybe they will. I don't know. I guess we'll find out. And so maybe you got like a perfect little four guard rotation, but I mean, I don't know. It's, it's just hard to play Eric Gordon like 20 minutes a night. You know, I don't, I don't think, I don't know how many minutes he played per game this season, but I just don't see how, you know, you keep him subdued in that role. Um, but I mean, his, his veteran leadership is needed. They obviously like having him around. I know the Rockets really do like having Eric Gordon around for that, for that reason. I mean, it is a young team. Hopefully Jabari Smith and Tari Eason bring some of that like defensive culture identity that 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 like dog in them, you know, but but they do need a vet. And right now the only vets on the team are David Nwaba, if you count him. Um, you could count Jay Sean Tate as like a vet since he's older. He's 26. I think he'll be 27 by the season, by the time the season starts. <clears throat> so he's, you know, a good five, six years older than some of those guys. And he's also bounced around overseas, right? So he kind of has that that leadership ability or, you know, been there, done that kind of quality to him. Uh, Nwaba Tate, you got Eric Gordon, and then you got Boban if he if he sticks around. So they could use a guy like Gordon, especially at that guard position with those guys. Um, so I'm cool, man. I mean, either way, if the asset's good enough, okay, I'm interested. If not, like Eric Gordon's one of my favorite Rockets. He's probably one of the best Rockets of, you know, the modern era of Rockets. One of the best free agent signings in Rockets history, believe that or not. Um, so, you know, I, I wouldn't just give him up for nothing. Yeah, I definitely agree. Will, what are your thoughts on that? I know you want Eric Gordon traded really badly. So, what do you, what do you think about I mean, what's going on? I want him gone really badly because I think it's beneficial for both sides. I, I think that Eric Gordon has been good to the Houston Rockets. And he, I, I, I said this a while ago, but I think if you were to pull Eric Gordon to the side off camera and it's someone he trusts, and you're like, hey, man, do you want to, you know, be the mentor for the Houston Rockets? Are you going to go to Philadelphia or Phoenix and try to win the championship? I, I would imagine he's going to say that he wants to go win a championship. So, um, you know, I, I think it's beneficial that he gets the opportunity as someone who's done really well by us these last couple of seasons that we give him the opportunity to go. Hey, but don't you, know, you think that they got to value him the same, that team, meaning they got to give up what they got to yeah. pay? Oh, him for more. sure. You know for what I mean? Sure. You know what I'm saying? And like, I'm cool I, trading him, but like you got to – he's a valuable player. He's on a good contract. He scores. He's He's been there. He's done that. Proven defender. Like he, they're lowballing so hard. It's, it's crazy. I, I, there was a point in time last season, and maybe this was just me being like delusional, but there was a point in time, like when the season first started, when he was swooping, I was like, Yeah, he's gonna go for like borderline lottery pick. Like this guy is playing <laughs> out of his mind right now. Um, but so yeah, like I, I mean I agree with you. I, I think that he is he's a he's a great, he's a he's exactly what you would want every championship contender to have. He's a guy who uh, is a capable ball handler in short spurts, he can knock down the three-point shot, and he can he can guard multiple positions at his six, three, six, four size. Like He's what every contender should want. So, I mean, but like I said, I, I I do hope that we find a way to get him somewhere where he can contend for a championship, um, you know, and while he still can, while he still has, you know, his legs underneath him, that he can go uh, be a part of a team that wins a championship one day or maybe, you know, just try. Um, but at the same time, I, I, I'm with y'all. I'm not giving him away for free. He It needs to be – now, I, I may not be as where y'all are. I'm, like I said, I would take pick 30 for Eric Gordon and then – um, you know, do what I, I love what OKC is doing. I don't like the, you know, the we're not we're not the close friends with OKC, but I, I like how they how they run. Where like uh, they traded pick thirty in this year's draft and they just delayed it. I, I forgot what year they delayed it to. They delayed it with Denver, um, and like I would just do that if like if we if we traded Eric Gore for pick thirty in next year's draft and there's nobody there that we like, 
or like we don't want to draft any more people because we have a bunch a bunch of young guys already on the roster. I would just delay the pick. You know what I'm saying? Like just delay it to the future, and then you know that's just another first round pick we can potentially use in a, uh, in a trade one day to add a, another uh, piece to our team. But if that's not on the table, uh, I think I think we should have been on the head. Like, um, I think that that Philadelphia is the team that's um, the most interested in Eric Gordon. And I think I think we're not going to see Eric Gordon if he does get traded. I don't think it's going to be before Kevin Durant gets traded because apparently Philadelphia is trying to to get him as well. Um, but um, I think they are trying to move Matisse Thibel to make like a third team. Third team gives a first round pick. They give that first round pick to us. They get Eric Gordon. If that doesn't happen. Um, I would, I, I'm with y'all. I would just keep Eric Gordon. Um, I, I, if he's, if the best we can do is a second round pick or Matisse Thibel, I'm keeping him, right? I, I think Bruce uh, comments on this too. His weakness is too similar to Jay Sean Tate, Taris, and even to an extent KJ Martin. I think KJ Martin is the best shooter of that group. And like, that's, that's not saying much. That's a, that's a, that's a bunch of guys who aren't necessarily shooters. So, you know, introducing another non-shooter into this team, I think it's, I think we're going to have a, a lot of spacing issues as is. So to bring another just straight up non-shooter, I, I think it would be a, a problem. Um, so yeah, I would keep him. I, I think as a, as a vet, he's as good as it gets. Um, he's been the standard for professionalism these last couple of seasons. He hasn't, um, yeah, I, I, I had to like, put this at the bar, but I mean, like he's, he's caused us no trouble. He hasn't, you know, the, the, Dame, the Dame Charden thing where like, he can tell this guy's quitting because he wants to get out. Like he's done everything we ask of him, whether it's come off the bench, whether it's start, whether it's play point guard, whether it's play small forward. Like he, he does what he's asked and he, he, he does a great job at it. Um, and, you know, I said, he's, he's, he's going to be somebody that these young guys can kind of look up to as like an example of how they should, you know, uh, uh, construct themselves as professionals. Um, and then like Brad kind of touched on a little bit too, his skill set meshes really, really well with our projected starters of like KPJ, Jalen, uh, Jabari, and Shingun, right? Like having somebody in that small forward spot, although he's, you know, he's a little small for this position. I definitely don't want to see Eric Gordon play the, the starting small forward spot. That would I think he does. That would I think he I think Eric, I think if Eric Gordon's here, I think yeah, I think he started. I, I think that, would you I prefer to start Tate over Eric Gordon? Yeah, okay. I'm cool with you that. You wouldn't though. be worried but, about the spacing with uh, Shane Gooden as well. No, I would be worried about the spacing, but not enough to want to start Eric Gordon. <laughs> <laughs> if they go, if they go one and fifteen, then all right, maybe start Eric Gordon. But like he's not a three. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We've, done, we've done this a million times to be a three. I, I, no, go no, ahead. I know you're not saying that. I'm just saying because, like, I mean, this is a thing that coaches have done. They love to start his ass at the three, and it's just like <laughs> he's not a three. To, to be the three, you got to first of all, you got to be the size of a three. You got to be like you know six five and above. Otherwise, you're just straight up not a three in the NBA. Um, and you got to play like a three. He just camps on the elbow and just waits for the ball, and then like pulls or gets it and just like isos. Like that's a straight up combo guard. You know, three's got to be cutting. <laughs> you know, operating off the elbow. Got to be able to triple threat off the elbow. Like that's a three, you know what I mean? But at least a, an ideal three. So yeah, it just kills everything. Like I'd rather have Jay Sean Tate trying to prove he can shoot. And if he, if he just proves like beyond a shadow of a doubt that he's a fucking 30% three point shooter, no matter what day it is, then, you know, we can, we can explore options, but I don't want to see Eric Gordon start at the three from day one. And and what you just said is one of the reasons why um, I, I've been begging the Rockets to draft some sort of wing was like, uh, we, we touched on this in the podcast, man, like our, Eric Gordon has been the starting small forward for this team for, I mean, since the 2018, 2019 19. season. Yeah. Like he's ever since Trevor Reza left, it's been him. So um, I'm, I'm glad the Rockets did go ahead and drive. No, no, it was uh, James Dennis, Ennis and James Ennis. Did they yeah. start yeah. house for a little bit too? James I think Ennis they kind of house. Yeah. Did they start, did they start house over Gordon? 
Well, I think House had that issue with the two-way, and then once that right. happened, House became the, next- the starting three, and then he had the issue with the contract, and then he never yeah. became like the same House. But he was House was the starting three with Westbrook though as well. Yeah. Okay. I don't know. I thought it was Gordon. Okay. I think at um, one point Eric Gordon might have taken him over. I'm actually going to look this up yeah. while we're talking, but yeah, go ahead. But I yeah. definitely because I remember doing like a little song about it, and I it was I did the starting <laughs> I did the starting lineup for the bubble, and it was Daniel House at the three. Okay. Interesting. Um, I, I don't know why I thought it was Gordon. Um. But but yeah, I mean, I'm I'm with you though. I I I think they do start Tim, and I'm not mad at it because like I said, I, I think his skill set of being a great shooter, floor spacer. Um, and he's a solid defender that meshes really well with the projected starters. But I mean, like I said, I'm with you. I, I would I would prefer that one, he's just on a different team, but um I would prefer to have an actual small forward at that position. But I, I think I think that if he's here, they value him um a lot. I, I feel like they want to try to kind of showcase him off. So I think he'll be starting next season if he's on the roster. The Rockets played 63 games that season, or house played 63 games that season with the Rockets, with 52 of them. He started the first wow. four games against OKC in the bubble, and I, when I think they they went two and two, and then he he Get came that off incident, the bench. Huh? He came <laughs> off the bench after that. No, oh, I forgot about that. Uh, oh, I forgot about that. But no, he had. Let me look it up. He, he now the incident was against the Lakers, so he okay. hit the bench game five against OKC. Yeah, game five when Russ came back, I think is what that was bench and then he had the incident after game two against the lakers so okay, but anyways yeah, yeah so they, yeah they've been, they've been looking for a wing but it ain't it ain't eric gordon hopefully okay. one day so, it could be tari eason what right, would be really cool is if it could maybe even be kevin porter jr he could be a three but he could also be the point guard so they need you know people talk about cam reddish but i just don't know if cam reddish is really like your answer and he's got to get paid so it's like but yeah, finding it like a legit wing is is hard to do, you know. Yeah, that's why I was happy the Rockets again, as you mentioned, Tari Eason and Jabari Smith. That's two guys who can start at your three and four in the long. It could be it could be Jabari. Yeah, it could very well be Jabari. I think he's going to be probably the best three and D guy in the NBA. You know, in some time. You know, I don't see this. I'll say this: like from a three and D standpoint, like he's going to be locked down six ten, six eleven, seven one wingspan, and we know he's a knockdown shooter. So I guess just keeping it like that, three and D in that aspect. I guess not. Like yeah, yeah, no. I just don't know if he's a like. I got to see if he's a three at the NBA. I got to see. Okay, yeah. Like I think he can be, but I got to see it because he can't dribble that well. We all know right. that, right? So it's yeah. like I see him but, as a four. Yeah, but some guys can get their shot off. So it's like maybe he maybe he can dribble enough to just get to a spot and get a shot off. So that's what I'm saying. I got to see it, but I just see him as like a stretch four, like that can do a little bit more as well. So yeah. Well, yeah. I guess rounding out that take conversation. Um, Oh, I guess the Gordon conversation, you know, if he does, you know, come back to the Rockets, I, you know, I would not mind him starting. I think he does mesh well with the guys. But as Rich said, he is really, really small. So Tate does start. I'm hoping that he is shooting lights out from three, not just in the offseason, but during the season as well. Because if he's able to shoot, you know, at a higher volume and a good percentage, then this Rockets team is going to be really good. But, you know, going into the next – yeah, go ahead, Rich. Just last comment on that. You could start Gordon for the spacing, but that that means you're going back to five out for the most part. Right. And I don't want to see that. I want want them to get, like – I want them to put more cutting and motion in the offense. So I think Tate's better for that because Eric Gordon, like, he's only going to the basket if he's got the ball, you know. But Tate yeah, will, will cut things lines and, and make, you know, set screens, roll off of them, you know what I mean? So, yeah, I will say this really quickly. You know, with um, Gordon in the starting lineup, you know, Shane Goon is that starting five. So I wouldn't say they could run just five out, but, you know, I think they run a lot of good motion with Shane Goon at the top of the key, having four shooters around him that can cut, 
you know, run a lot of uh, actions there. You think that would benefit them as well? You know, especially Shane Good. I think he would. I think that would work better with Gordon because, I mean, sorry, with yeah. Tate and Gordon. Okay. Because okay. Tate is a guy that can cut off that like elbow and just catch it and he can finish. He's got the muscle to finish. So does Gordon, but he, he Gordon finishes off the bounce. Gordon doesn't like catch and like, you know, Tate can catch and dunk. You know, right. Tate yeah, can yeah, catch yeah. and like pump and go to, you know, Gordon's not, he can, but he's just not that kind of guy. He's, he's either spotting up and shooting or he's getting the rock and ice on you off the, off the elbow and going to the basket, you know? So for that purpose, I feel like having Jalen cutting because KPJ is not going to be cutting, you know, KPJ is right. also like a stand out there. And like, if I have the ball, I'm operating. If not, I'm, I'm going to catch and shoot. So I don't want two of those guys because Jalen moves. Shangun is going to have the ball and be like the heliocentric piece at times. Sometimes he's going to post up. I feel like Jabari Smith's going to move around. Um, yeah. And then Gordon would be, you know, so I, like, I don't want two or too many of those types of like stand and catch and shoot because that's how you end up as five out. Someone gets the ball, they go to work, and you're just standing there waiting. I'd rather someone that's like getting dirty, doing work, catch, move, dish, whatever, you know? Yeah, no, that's a good point. That's a good point. And so going on to the last topic of this segment, we're going to be talking about if the Rockets should sign a, a center um, to play back up uh, behind uh, Alperen Shangun. I tripped up right there. But Usman Gruber could start. He played less than 250 minutes last year, so that's a guy the Rockets could want to see play next year. But Will, in your opinion, you know, a lot of these centers that the Rockets were, could potentially be interested in, like a Mo Bamba, a Jalen Smith, Isaiah Hardenstein, they all got signed recently. So I'm under the impression the Rockets should just play Garuba and see what they have in him. You know, first-round pick, this is the last year, in my opinion, that they're just going to be a developmental team. They're going to try to, you know, push for a play-in and a playoff spot that next year. So I'll go to Will, then the Roosh, and I'll comment on it last. But, Will, what are your thoughts on that? Uh, real quick, has Th Thomas Bryant has not been signed, right? He side. has not. He has not. Okay, I heard so he was linked to the Lakers. If I could be yeah, I, I, I think yeah. I heard that too. I don't know how much he's going to be asking for. I'm just throwing that name. But I, I think he's – I'm looking at a list of free agents. I think this list came out yesterday. Is this one this Yeah, yesterday of free agents that were still on the market. It's really just Thomas Bryant who's left. I mean, unless we're going to get DeMarcus Cousins or – Tristan Thompson, which I imagine both those guys want to compete for a championship more than um, be the backup five on a rebuilding team. Um, so really quick, really quick. Well, uh, is Gorgie Dang on that list as well? Because when I was reading Kelly uh, Iko's last article, he made a big board for Rockets uh, players that they could sign. And he was on that list, I want to say. So he's not on this list, but maybe it's just because he's not as good as the rest of the guys on this list. So, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. but but I mean, that's that's another a solid name. I, all I was going to say is, at a certain point in time, I think we're going to come into a situation where it's like, is the guy we're going to potentially sign better than just, I don't know, bringing back Bruno Fernando and, and having him and Garuba, you know, depending on the, on the matchup that night um, or who, whoever, you know, earns the minutes in training camp, letting that guy be the backup five for that season. I mean, I, I'm, I'm okay with that. I, I think, I think Fernando looked pretty impressive in his, his limited minutes last season. And then I'm interested in seeing what, um, what uh, Usman Garuba can do with a full season uh, on him. He, had, he Like you said, he played 250, uh, less than 250 minutes last season. He really wasn't able to carve out a role for himself, you know, the injuries. And I think he got COVID at the very end. Um, so, you know, I, I, I am okay with, with not signing any center um, and signing, you know, I've been vocal about maybe instead of signing like a center, maybe signing just somebody who's going to be a locker room presence, somebody who's going to, um, you know, especially if Gordon's gone, having somebody who can kind of come in and be, our Eric Gordon um, in Eric Gordon's absence, or, you know, just, you, there's no such thing as uh, having too many uh, locker room presences and, you know, bench presences. So I, I think I would kind of rather get one of those guys over, you know, a backup center, but um, yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. 
What are your thoughts, Bruce? Yeah, I mean, I would say no to Thomas Bryant. Um, not that he's a bad player or not that he wouldn't potentially do well, but like whoever we get at center, I either want it to be some type of veteran backup um, or someone with legitimate upside, not someone that's like you're you're really taking a flyer on them. Like Mo Bamba, I think, had legitimate upside. Any fit, tall, long, block shots, shoots the three. Um, you know, I, th- I feel like Thomas Bryant at his size, like 6'10", 250, you know, I don't know. He's just what – let me see. I'm looking at his shooting. Yeah, he's been – there. He's got flashes of okay shooting, but it's like nothing I would hang, you know, rely on. So I would rather get like a legit 6'11, 7 foot rim running type big that blocks shots or someone that can, you know, stretch the floor and hit threes. I wouldn't even be opposed to Boogie if Boogie would be cool, like just chilling in the back and not like really playing that much, you know, unless we need him and we're just getting beat up inside. Um, I even think he could be a decent vet, you know, he's made some, some bad decisions over. Over the course of his years, but these last couple years, he's kind of taken that role of a vet, and it seems like he's able to like do that, you know. So, would he want to come to like a losing team like the Rockets at this stage in his career? Probably not, but you know, maybe he won't have another uh, another option or another choice. Um, but other than that, man, look, Bruno Fernando. I was rewatching that old that Kings game from April April first, and I think we got a little excited. He is he's not that good. Um, I mean, he's slow. He got stuffed on some post ups. Uh, defensively, he's all right. Sometimes he blocks shots, but sometimes he's not. You know, he's like, whatever. He's just very all right. I don't think there's much upside there. We could bring him back. I just don't feel like he would be an answer. Um, so I would be cool with Garuba, man. I mean, Garuba, you drafted him with the 24th, with the 23rd pick. You might as well see what you got in him. If, if you don't have what you want, then figure out how to get it. But we might as well see, right? He hustles. I mean, the, that, that Kings game I watched was probably his best game of the season or definitely one of them. Um, I mean, he kept balls alive on the offensive glass, he rebounded the ball on defense. He had some miscommunications on switches that resulted in buckets that like, maybe it's his fault, maybe it was the other guy's fault, but they just didn't communicate, got mixed up on a switch, but uh, he's got really long arms. And I think his feet, like he he looked slow early on, but I think he got up to speed, up to NBA speed later on. And like, so he's able to use his feet and his length to contest. um, So guys can't really pull up on him as easily. He blocks shots like in a deceiving way. Like he's got long arms. He, you know, he'll poke the ball out, recover, like rip somebody. Um, and he's really good at finding shooters. Like when he gets the ball, he looks lost with the ball. He doesn't really know what to do with the ball. And like he took like a, a little like flat footed 16 footer and got blocked from behind on it. So that was, you know, that's not good. But uh, in, in that Kings game, but he'll get the ball and just like look up and find a shooter and kick it to him. I think he had like three assists in that game just because he knows how to find people. So he's he's a lot smarter than people give him credit for, and he's still young. He's like twenty years old or something. So I would rock with Garuba, and then if we really need size, like <laughs> maybe play Boban or something. Um, <laughs> but but other than that, man, I, I mean, I think we're good. Like I don't think we're supposed to be good this season. I want to see if Shingun and Garuba are NBA players. You know, I think Shingun is, but I want to see if Garuba is like a legitimate NBA rotation potential kind of guy, and if Shingun's a legitimate starter. So you know. I'm cool with that. And then just letting Jalen grow, KPJ grow with space and seeing what we got in Jabari. And I also feel like we might be able to run some small ball four with Tari Eason, possibly. He's listed at 6'8". He's really 6'6 and three quarters in shoe, without shoes. But he's got those long arms. He's got big hands. And um, if he's 6'8 with shoes, then he's 6'8 with shoes, right? So, Right. Yeah, I 100% agree. I even put it on Twitter a few days ago. This is the one free agency for the Rockets where I'd be okay if they didn't sign a single person. I know Kelly Iko came out and said, you know, they had that 
MLE and BAE that they could come out and use. And he expected them to to use that, you know, bring in some vets. But just looking at the remaining guys, no one really entices me for this Rockets roster. You know, as, as we've talked about with Usman, again, played less than 250 minutes last year. Uh, he was kind of hurt and, you know, he had things going on with COVID. But, you know, Usman, that's a guy 6'8", 7'2", wingspan. The, the Rockets drafted him for a reason. And you see, you know, Stone's kind of plan going forward. He, he brings in two of the best wing defenders in the draft this year. Ty Ty is a good defender. And last year he said Usman Garuba was the best defender in the, in the world that wasn't in the NBA. So he he drafted him 23rd for a reason because he's, he's a really good defender. And he, we just didn't really see it last year. As Roos mentioned, he was kind of slow on his feet to start. But, you know, who Usman Garuba is, I don't really think we saw last season. So I'm excited for him ultimately in the summer league to see what he can do at backup five. And then if he gets those minutes at backup five during the season, what he can do, you know, going against some of those centers. And as Roos mentioned, I don't think he gets enough credit on the offensive side of the ball. Of course, he can't really shoot right now. Um, he's not the best in the dunker spot, but he has a really high cue coming from Spain, playing at Real Madrid. Uh, he knows where to be on the court. He knows that he can't shoot, but he has a the IQ enough to, to float around and, you know, set back screens, you know, get people in the right spot, make the extra pass, uh, even get a lot of offensive rebounds. I, I want to say in that Kings game, as you were talking about, Rouge, that he, he almost had 10 rebounds in the first quarter. He, he has a, a you know a tendency to be in the right place at the right time, had a really high offensive rating. I think that one of the highest offensive ratings on the team in limited minutes, but he's not a bad offensive player. Um, he just needs to work on that three-point shot. I think he can. And I think he could progress to be maybe a 35% shooter when it's all said and done. But Garuba, I, I need to see him get those minutes, in my opinion. You draft him for a reason. The Rockets aren't going to be good this year. So there's no harm in playing him you know, this upcoming season. But does anyone else have anything to add? Yeah, I mean, I was just going to add, like, looking at some of his numbers. So in that game you're talking about against the, against the Kings, he had four offensive rebounds, three assists, two blocks. Um, and he was going right. against uh, Damian Jones, who just signed with the Lakers, right? So, yeah, right. he's a third-string guy. But, like, you're telling me Garuba plus 12 in, what, 30 minutes, 14 boards, three assists, two blocks. Like, there's no value in that, right? Right. Um, yeah. Against Toronto, towards the, the second-to-last game of the season, Toronto was was fighting for playoff seeding down the stretch. You know, Pascal Siakam played, like, 39 minutes. Like, he was going against Toronto. Um, he only played, what, 15 minutes, but he hit a three, right? So he had five points, had a block, two steals, two assists a minus one in 15 minutes. You're telling me he can't play like 15 to 20 minutes and like make an impact, you know, like that. One of those guys that you don't always see in the box score, but sometimes you definitely see in the box score, like how he can just, you know, two steals, two dimes, a block in 15 minutes and hit a three. Like that's an immediate impact. And he's got that motor. And, and I like what you said about the IQ. That's true. He does have a very high IQ. Um, so people, you got to give him credit for that. And his shot is funky, but I think it's coming around. Um, like he what in these last games, he was four or five from the free throw line. He can shoot free throws, too. So I, I think he'll be able to hit like, you know, 32, 33 percent of threes if he really plays like a full season, which doesn't sound like that big. But I mean, that's better than Russell Westbrook. So, um, <laughs> yeah, I, I would like to see him get that because I think he's capable of it. And, um, you know, instead of going and outsourcing and getting another center. Right. I agree. Anything else you want to add, Will? Oh, yeah, I covered everything about Garuba. I mean, like I said, I'm just I'm excited to see him hopefully have a bigger role next season, and hopefully he can stay healthy. Uh, knock on wood. Um, you know, we'll, we'll see him as the the backup five next year. He also yeah, in, in, in uh, the G League, I think he had like an 18 and 17 game or something like he that. Did. Yeah, something he like did. That. 
Yeah. So like he's he's one of those guys, right? Like the motor's there, the IQ's there. Like he's gonna have some games where he's not that good. He's gonna have some games where you're like, damn, Garuba, you know? So <laughs> right. Yeah, and we're gonna taste of him in the summer league, and that's what we're gonna talk about in this last segment. So stay tuned. All right, and welcome back to the last segment of the Bride on Will Show today. Um, the last segment, we wanted to kind of give you guys a preview of the summer league that's going to be going on this weekend. Um, on the 7th, we play the Orlando Magic, so we're going to get to see some of Jabari Smith versus Paolo Bancaro there. And then on the 9th, we play OKC, so it'll be uh, Jabari Smith versus Shed Holmgren. So, uh, Roosh, is the guest, we'll go to you first. Um, just what are some just some quick thoughts, I guess, on, on the summer league, what to expect? Um, you know, what are, what are you looking for um, this weekend? And I'm excited, man. I'm... In, before you jump in really quick, Roos, like I'm also curious, like who would you want to see in a starting lineup? Because I've been thinking about that as well. But to add on to Will's question. The Summer League yeah. starting lineup? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I'm excited, man. I'll be there. Um, my first time at Summer League. Uh, I should be covering it for Ball is Life. So I think I might have like a credential, which will be my first time doing that as well. So that will be fun. Um, I'm excited, man. I mean, I want to see starting five. I'd like to see Garuba. Uh, Tari Eason, Josh Christopher, who am I missing? Jabari. Basically, no, oh, Jabari. Yeah. Yeah, sorry. Okay, obviously. Yeah, <laughs> let, let me redo that. I was like, who am I missing? Garuba, Jabari, Tari, Josh Chris, and I would like to see Ty Ty Washington start. Um, I, I think it will be Dacian Nix. I have a I have a weird feeling Ty Ty Washington is going to be more NBA ready right now than Dacian Nix for some reason. I love Dacian Nix's game, and I love like those point guards that have that type of vision. Like he already, he always knows where everyone is, and he's always trying to feed them. And he can play some bully ball and like get to the basket or get to the basket and find find different guys. Um, but I feel like Ty Ty Washington's ability to run around, catch and shoot, while also being a good enough point guard might translate quicker. I feel like it's going to take Dacian Nix a minute. So I would like to see Ty Ty Washington start, but I'm not going to trip if he doesn't start. Um, everyone else, I guess what I'm looking for at summer league man is. I want to see Jabari Smith go off, and I want to see if Tari Eason can, like, hit another gear. And I'm hoping to see Josh Christopher take over, you know. I feel like after what he did at the NBA level, he should be, you know, uh, a step above some of these cats. So, um, yeah, that's why I mean, I want to see Jabari Smith against Paolo and Jabari against Chet. I mean, that's going to be, you know, getting to see the top three picks go at it is going to be special. I really don't care about anyone other than those six guys that we talked about. I feel like none of the other guys are – actual NBA players. They got Eric Gordon's brother. <laughs> I saw that. Did you see his stats? Uh, yeah. Did you see his highlight tape? I posted, I, I tweeted it at Paolo. Go watch his highlight tape. Huh? I need to look at it. I need to look type at it in it. YouTube. You'll see it. It's uh, I mean, obviously he's like a much better basketball player than me or something, but it's funny. He's like, he's not, <laughs> he, he's not an NBA player. You know what I mean? So it's just funny. Um, but they did, they did this with uh, Jay Sean Tate's brother, I think, or cut. Or yeah. Cousin. Yeah. He played last yeah, yeah, year. Yeah. Jay Sean Tate's brother. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess they do this frequently, but but it's funny. But yeah, it, it'll be fun, man. Just want to see those guys. I want to see the the guys that got NBA time really, you know, Garuba and Josh Chris. I want to see them look like not lost at all, you know, comfortable, like they belong there. And then I want to see Jabari and I want to see Jabari like translate some of the skills we know and just hit those threes and maybe show off a little more, maybe surprise us. And I want to see Tari Eason's like energy and defense and how it translates if he's able to hit his shot from NBA distance. You know, all those things. Yeah, I'll say this. Uh, for the starting lineup, I'm hoping and praying, as Ruth said, you know, that they get to see you know, Ty Ty, Jacob, Tari Eason, Jabari, and Garuba. But 
I've been talking to people. I don't know. I have like the worst feeling ever that they might mess around and start Anthony Lamb at the three. It's just something they would do. But I'm hoping I saw y'all's facial expression. I hope they don't do that. I pray they don't do that. Is he on the for roster for summer league? He is, yeah. Yeah, I'm I can no see dis- them. You go ahead. Go ahead. No disrespect to Anthony Lamb, but like he's not an NBA player. I agree. He's just agree. not. So I don't need to see any Anthony Lamb, quite frankly. But yeah, yeah that, they better not start him at the three. But I, for some reason, I can see it. But I hope it doesn't happen. Um, if I'm sorry, Eason, and they start Anthony Lamb at the three, I'm like, what are we doing here? If, <laughs> right. if I'm, I'll be there. If I got to watch Anthony Lamb start at the three, I'll be like, Rick, <laughs> no. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, they hope they don't do that. Um, as you mentioned, Ty Ty, you know, really good off the ball, really good shooter, quick release. So with, I don't expect Jacob to play the entire time. He might. I'm just speculating. But, you know, he's going to come and he's going to play really good, in my opinion. And then he's probably going to be like, okay, I'm good here. And in that case, I'd like to see Dacian and Ty Ty start together because Ty Ty, again, he has a long wingspan. He could play the two to a sense, and he's a good shooter. So I'd like to see that Dacian and Ty Ty starting backcourt. That would be really impressive to see. And, you know, as you mentioned, Roosh, you know, we're looking at the Jabari and uh, Bad Carroll matchup, you know, him going against Chet. That's going to be really fun. Wish I could have been there. I can't. I was supposed to pull some strings, couldn't make it work. So it's going to be cool for you to see in person, Roosh. But you know, just watch on the TV. It's, it's going to be really fun to see that matchup. Um, Jabari swore he was going number one, so he's going to have that chip on his shoulder. Um, him and uh, Tari, you know, going against Ben Carroll, it's going to be tough matchups for Ben Carroll. So I want to see how he does against those two guys. So it's just going to be fun. Uh, I haven't seen Rockets basketball since April 10th. So Jeez. you have to be excited. It's been two months. So, yeah. What do you think, Will? Uh, yeah, I mean, the the three things I'm looking forward to seeing the most, um, I, I think we're just going to stole one of my, my talking points, but I, I think Josh is too good to play summer league basketball. Like, I, 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 I'm going to be disappointed if he doesn't, you know, average 20 or something like that. Like, he's 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 way – he was he was um, very surprising last season. I, I think a lot of the people didn't expect him to be as good as he was last season. So, he's had a full season of NBA experience underneath his belt. He was, you know, honestly more impressed than we thought he was going to be. Last season, I think he's going to come in um, this week and, and kill summer league. So I'm looking forward to seeing him um, being him on the on the court. Um, I'm interested to see if Tari Eason's jumper translates uh, to the to the professional level. Like you know, that's that's one thing that we kind of don't know just quite yet. I mean, he shot his numbers look good, but then you look at like the volume, you look at the film, and it's like, eh, it, you know, could be something there, maybe not. So um, I'm interested to see what that looks like um, at this level. If, he, if he's coming down, knocking him down uh, off the rip. I don't know about you guys, but if Tari Eason's jumper is working game one, I, I'd start him. I, I, I'd put him in that starting lineup day one. Go ahead, I, do, I do want to say if it doesn't fall, don't trip because it's oh, yeah, a for sure. tiny, tiny uh, sample size. But yeah, and, yeah and but for sure. But I'm with you. Yeah. Like, and if it, yeah, if it, like he said, if it doesn't fall, I'm not, I'm not mad. Like, I, I, I don't expect it to fall. So like if, if it if it does, it will be a, a surprise to me more than anything. Um so yeah, there's that. And then I'm interested to see um who what happens between Ty Ty and Nick's, what what's going on there. I I kind of I think Tobias in the podcast, I would prefer to Ty Ty to get that preferential treatment and to be the starting point guard of that team, but I think they're gonna go Nick's is just somebody who's been here a little bit longer, know system a little bit better. Um and you know, they came out a couple weeks ago and said they thought he was a I think it was a lottery talent is the way they described it. So um, I think they're going to get the nod to Knicks, but I, I hope it's tied tie. I mean, I made the best man win, I guess, is what I want anyways. But um, I'm interested to see what that looks like and just how tied tie is on the next stage too. I, I think he's somebody who probably shouldn't have been there at pick 29. So um, it was really interesting to see him there. But, like, I mean, you guys touched on it too, just seeing how Jabari um, 
you know, uh, matches up with these other top three, uh, top three picks, and Paulo and and um, and Shed. Is he going to be, you know, trying to insert himself as like an alpha, or is he going to try to be more of a? I'm gonna just play my role. I don't, I don't know what he's going to try to do. So, talking about Jabari, just, yeah, yeah. I don't. I, I mean, I, I, w- I imagine he's going to be be less alpha and more play my role, but I don't know. So, man, I got to be honest. I didn't realize until I saw the clips, like how intense he gets yeah mm-hmm. i didn't realize that and i, I didn't yeah, either i love i love it i love it so much so that's i i feel like the chip on his shoulder and the fact that he's going to be facing paolo and chet i'm expecting him to like snap maybe i don't know what the numbers will look like but like if he has a you know if he's hitting big shots or something i expect him to just go crazy so i'm, I'm excited to see that because like his competitive side is is one of the you know biggest things that i like about him um Cause you don't always get guys that are like that want it that bad. And so I just want to see him like, it'd be amazing to see him hit like six threes and just lose his mind at half court or something, you know? So like, I, I want to I see that. So you kind of touched on like one of the reasons I like Jabari a lot too. Um, Jabari Smith, the player, great, phenomenal player. Jabari Smith, the pissed off player is probably like a different level. Like I, I look back to how he, um how he looked when he saw Apollo and Shet walk the stage, I, I imagine he thought he was one of those first two picks and then he wasn't. And, you know, just that, that image of him kind of sitting there like, okay, I, I see what this is. I see what this is. I'm excited that he's going to be able to take all that anger and frustration out on, on you know, not being able to go one or two, putting it into it's his craft and, you know, just being the best version of himself. And like I said, yeah, I'm with you. Rush. I, I didn't, I was, I was shocked to see all the, uh, the footage of him kind of running his mouth. Um, you know, there was the, the clip of him, you know, uh, cussing out the Syracuse head coach. Um, I've seen yeah, he was clips. cussing out Jim Beheim. That like yeah. that's a, Jim Beheim's a legend. So just to just to turn all like, like, yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, yeah. and he yeah. doesn't yeah. talk like soft either. He's like you can read his lips. You know what he's saying? Like it's yeah. I think he was saying your son can't guard me. Your kids can't guard me. He said something like that. That's one of the clips. Right. One of the other ones. He's saying some some you know more advanced things than that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but like yeah, I, I love. I love that that intensity that he brings to the game. I mean, that's something that we've kind of been missing these last couple of um, last couple of seasons. You know, just having somebody. We have the Jay Shante and the KJ Martin, who they kind of bring it every night. But like now, one of the focal points is like we know this guy is coming in with intensity from game one. He's not going to cheat. He's not going to give you any shortcuts. And so I'm I'm really excited for that. And it honestly, gets me like even like right now, it just gets me excited. Like I hooped this morning, and like we were, you know, we don't get like that. But sometimes I get like that. Because, you know, sometimes you're just competing. So to know that, like, one of your, like, like you said, one of your top dogs has that in them. Oh, man, I bet going to war. I bet going to war with that is just amazing. So, yeah. And especially, like, once this team gets good enough to hit the playoffs, like, we are all going to know. I mean, we came from James Harden where, like, that was one of the biggest knocks. You know what I mean? Not that right. he didn't have that in him, but he was just so, like, calm and just, you know, whatever at all times. Let the game come to him type thing. So if we get to a point where we're good and like Jabari is just, you know, just asserting himself as an alpha like that over whoever, it's going to be, oh, it's going to be crazy, but I won't get ahead of myself. So <laughs> now you're all good. But yeah, uh, two sleepers really quick on the summer league roster. A guy named Trey Mitchell was a really good uh, plug play for the Vipers last season. So he's a, he's a six, six wing. I'm assuming he's going to get some minutes. You know, you got your five first round picks, Dacian Nixon, and then of course you're going to get some randoms out there playing. So Trey Mitchell, I'm assuming he's going to be one of those guys. And the Rockets also brought in another guy on a two-way contract. I believe his name is Trevor Hutchins, two-time player of the year in Division II. So interested to see what he does in his minutes. But just wanted to touch on two quick sleepers, and that's really all I have to add for 
Is that Hudgens or Hutchins? What you said first, for sure, Hudgens. With a D and a G? Yeah, correct, you're right. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, the way to look at it, the way I look at it is the Rockets starting lineup um, in the summer league is basically, yeah, it's, it's, it's a squad of first round picks. It's a squad right. of, except for Dacian Knicks, but right, yeah, yeah. Ty, Ty Washington. It's a squad of a first round picks. And it's a squad of guys that have all um, either all have already played at the NBA level and done pretty decently or guy or, you know, they, they got a couple guys that just got drafted who are expected to play at the NBA. So guys that could all be legitimate contributing pieces to the Houston Rockets team this season. So it's not like, unless, unless they start Anthony Lamb, which would be very, <laughs> I, so, I hope they don't. I pray they don't. No, I shouldn't even don't. put that. I shouldn't put that in the air, but no, well, now yeah. you said that I'm thinking, I'm like, man, they might <laughs> every year. It's like, yo, why is Anthony Lamb? You know, we've seen him. He's a shooter. He's undersized. He's not very athletic. And he, his shot hasn't translated to the NBA well enough to like be a, an NBA player. I mean, I'm sure he, right. you know, is a great player, but he's just not an NBA player. So, you know, it's crazy because he's like a sniper when he plays for the Vipers, and I know it's a totally different game playing the G League. Yeah. But he's a literal, a literal sniper. I mean, Dacian Nix had a stretch. I don't know this for sure, but I feel like he was putting up like 36 and five yeah, and like crazy stat better. lines. Yeah, in the league, you know. But then you get to the NBA, and he looks like Andre Miller. You know, he doesn't look like <laughs> he's dropping 30 a night. So, I don't know. I don't know what it what it's like um, or how it translates, but yeah, no, Anthony. I, Lamb is a sniper in the G League. Then he gets up to the NBA level shooting like, you know, 33% or something. It's like. Yeah. 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 See, I've I mean, seen enough of him. But, yeah. Go ahead, Will. If you want to – I'm looking it up right now. I would say if you want to know how bad uh, the 2020-2021 Houston Rockets were, he played in 24 games for us that season, started three of them and averaged 17 minutes in those 24 games. So, if you want to know how bad we were that year, that's that, that's how bad it was. <laughs> really quick, what did he shoot from three in his time? Uh, I'll look it up. Uh, yeah, he shot thirty-two percent, thirty-two point four percent. Um, he took three point zero attempts per game. What's up? No, I was just saying it was on three attempts. Was, go ahead, my bad. Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. I'm I'm trying to see the total. It was probably like what seventy-two, maybe seventy-one. He shot seventy-one total threes. So that's a small sample size, but yeah. Um, yeah. you know. You got to do you got to do better than thirty two percent in twenty four games if you're supposed to be like an an undersized, not athletic, stretch big. You know. Yeah, I'll say this so. last thing, Anthony Lamb. I expect him to come out if he's coming off the bench. I think he should come out there and look at least you know like a guy you could like. Okay, this guy's been on the NBA floor before. You know, he's had a lot of experience. Not a lot. I of hope he doesn't, so that we can be done with with <laughs> Anthony Lamb. You know, I, Word. I hear. You. <laughs> you know what I mean? I hope Anthony Lamb looks terrible, so they're like, okay, let's just stop. <laughs> I'm watching this. I'm sorry, Mr. Lamb. However, yeah, even if he does look good, though, it's like it's at a point where it's like you know, Trevlin Queen wasn't going to get minutes on the roster. It didn't matter how good he looks. So I feel like Anthony Lamb's kind of the same way in that regard. Which is why even I if felt he, like, why did the Sixers get Trevlin Queen? I don't get it. Like they're going to win now. He's not going to get minutes. Not this year. Probably not next year. Yeah, yeah. Maybe I'm wrong. I mean, it's Daryl Morey, Philadelphia Rockets. They're trying to get over there. That's that whole thing is weird. I like it, it but it's weird. <laughs> yeah. If I was weird. a Sixers fan, I'd be like, "What are you doing?" Like these aren't the Rockets, man. Go to, if you want to. If you want the Rockets, go to Houston. Yeah, but that's why I'm assuming they get Eric Gordon. But Will, that's all for me. Roos, you guys have anything else to add? That's all for me as well. Let's Roos wants to add yeah, anything thanks, else. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Of course, yeah, of course. Yeah, Roos, really quickly, let the people again know where they can find you at. Yeah, just hit me on Twitter. R O O S H Williams. Um, some of the people watching this may be blocked on Twitter by me, so <laughs> you can also find me on uh, YouTube at State of the Rockets. 
Noble and Root Show, wherever, man. I'm around. There you go. And I am, of course, your other host, Brad. So you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at BradOMBA. And again, if you haven't already, make sure to subscribe to the channel. We appreciate you for watching this long. And I'll pass it off to Will. Yeah. Same here. You can um, find me on Instagram, Twitter at Bias Houston. Shout out Clutch City Control Room. Instagram, Twitter. Shout out uh, Brado and Will on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, Roosh, we really appreciate you um, taking time out your day to come talk Rockets basketball with us. We had Definitely. to get uh, you know, a diehard Rockets fan to discuss these uh, these these pressing Rockets issues. So I uh, appreciate you making time out your day to come talk with us. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. Uh, definitely, you know, when season comes around, we'll definitely find time to get you back on the show. One of my most enjoyable episodes, for sure. You're, you're a professional. You know what you're doing here, so we'll, we'll get you back on the show. <laughs> I appreciate it. Yeah, hopefully when the season starts, they'll uh, they'll look decent. So let's see. It's the, what, three months away? So Three months away, yeah. But that's going to do it for this episode, everyone. I appreciate you for tuning in, and we'll be back next Monday.